Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Flower, Wednesday edition. Beautiful day in South Mississippi. Hope it's pretty where you are. Breezy, sunny, cool outside. Luke Johnson in the First Bank Studios in Laurel. Kelly Sander and Michael Mergens in the uh, First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. Bob out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Great show for you today. Patrick uh, McGee, the professor from the Bluxy Sun-Herald, will be joining us in the third segment today. And we'll talk uh, just some some news. The Golden Eagles look forward to take on Western Kentucky in baseball. But we'll have a uh, uh, unbelievable performances back-to-back-to-back this entire season with track and field. We'll have an athlete on in just a second, tell you more uh, about him. But first segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Dickie's Barbecue, hometown team located outside Turtle Creek Mall in Hattiesburg. They smoke some of the best meat anywhere. They can cater your next event, and if you eat inside, you, of course, get that free ice cream. Dickie's Barbecue cooked here, loved everywhere. Well, on this Wednesday, we want to talk some, uh, lead it off, talk some track and and field. I want to give a shout-out to a Track and field SID Grant Keith for setting this up. Trey Johnson, the uh, 2021 Conference USA Indoor 400 uh, meter champion, and has uh, won in his last three consecutive outdoor meets. In that, he also is a part of that 4x400 uh, relay team. And we're happy to have an active Southern Miss athlete on today, sprinter Trey Johnson from Track and Field. And Trey, thanks so much for coming on the Eagle Hour today. No problem. So I'm reading all these press releases, and we were kind of joking off air. Uh, we kind of have uh, not kept count. We kind of lost count of how many 400 meters that you've run this season. Uh, but you are the uh, the reigning champion in the indoor season and now have, have won the event in the last three outdoors. And, and let's just go back to this past weekend out in Auburn in the Plains, big SEC track event. You win the 400-meter dash. Uh, not only that, you set a new personal record of 46.1. What means more to you in an event like that, winning the event or, or setting a new personal best? Setting a new personal best because, um, I mean, winning the event is a plus, but if you're working and getting new personal best, that just makes you better for the next week. You, Southern Miss has some extraordinary sprinters this year, and, and you guys uh, testified to that in the 4x400. Four you know, you're obviously occupying that, that one slot, but, I mean, you, you look around and we see so many times personal best and personal record and, and uh, improving week to week. But it is you are part of a team, and, and Trey, kind of what's the dynamic of that? You know, you do your events, you do your events with some of your other guys, but you're watching Corville Todd and Eric Richards and some of these uh, long runners too. I mean, it. What, what's the balance working on a track and field team when you're obviously trying to win your event also? Well, when I'm working on my own event, it's only going to help the team, especially like the 4x4, four four, because 
because if I run good, it's going to encourage everybody else to run good and it's going to hype them up. And then also, while you're preparing for your own stuff, like at the meets, I get to see EJ and Corvell jumping. If they do good, it's just going to like create a momentum for everybody else to run good. It really will. Uh, you're from south of Atlanta, Fayetteville High School, Fayetteville, Georgia, and you know two states away. Uh, what brought you to Southern Miss uh, back in 2019? Um, my parents, they both attended the University of Georgia with um, Coach Stu, and they just had connections with him, so they reached out to him, and I was able to come to Southern Miss because of that. Kelly, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, Trey. It's it's when you're a little kid, you know, you normally do the little the, the basketball league or the flag football league. There isn't there really isn't uh, is widely spread knowledge of track and field leagues for kids that are six or seven or eight years old. How did you get involved in running to begin with when you were a kid? So. When I was younger, I did like all the little sports, like like basketball and flag football. But both of my parents, they did track at Georgia and in high school. So when I got to middle school, it wasn't like pressure. They didn't tell me to run track. I kind of just did it on my own, and I liked running. Like in elementary school, I'd do like little small like three Ks and stuff. I just really enjoyed running. So when I got the track. So there's so there's a difference between short distance running and long distance running and, and how you, how you approach it. Kind of educate us as to how that works because normal normally people would think well if you can run you can run, but there's a distinct difference in in short distances and long distances. So kind of educate us. Um, there is like whenever I train to do longer stuff, it hurts at first because your body's not used to doing it. All the slow twitch muscles versus sprinting. So it's like you can't just – I can't just train to do something real quick and fast and think I can go run something longer without having to train for it. And and how do how do sprinters train? Because you mentioned you just had a personal uh, best. People, to the uneducated person like me, we'd think you'd just go out and run. But what do you do mechanically to get better and faster? Um, we pull sleds, we do drills, wicked drills, a skills, plyometrics, and then on the track we're doing stuff that's relatively close to our race. So I run the 400, we'll do 300, 200s, and then on quicker days we'll do short sprints too to work on speed and turnover. And when you when you set these personal bests, how much does weather have to put, obviously in the outdoor, uh, how much does weather have to do? Are there ideal conditions for you to run in, you personally? For me personally, I want it to be real hot because that just warms up your body. It makes it, it makes it easier for you to run fast if you're warm. But for me, I have to have the mindset, like, it's not always going to be hot outside. So if it's cold or if it's raining, you just you got to have a mindset to do the best that you can. So when when you came to Southern Miss, uh, what what did you expect when you got to Hattiesburg, and how how was it like what you expected, and how did it differ from what your expectations were? Uh, um, that's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. I didn't really expect too much. I just I just kind of showed up and fit right in. I didn't really. Like, I didn't really have any downsides or any. 
So what? Things just kind of felt like a normal transition. But the fact that that you guys are putting up all these these numbers and really bringing a lot of national attention to Southern Miss track and field that's got to that's got to feel pretty good. Like interviews like today, right? Mm-hmm. So what about uh, educationally? What what's the dream job somewhere down the road? Um, my dream job was to go into physical therapy or go into real estate. So like. I think I went to do physical therapy because I'm an athlete. Like I was around, like athletic trainers working on the body. I guess it kind of interests me. And do you and do you think if your parents were not involved in track and field, even though they didn't put any pressure on you, do you think that uh, that you would be where you were today in track and field? Uh, yes, because I when I played basketball and football, I just sucked. So I don't think I would win any of those. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I would go any of those routes. Can, can, I got to George running. Yeah, he, he just used a, uh, a term that we sometimes are, don't hear on the air, football. Right, Luke? <laughs> yeah, for for real, Trey. Let me let me tell you something. Uh, you get big checks occasionally in real estate, but my dad was a realtor and still is. If you want that consistent paycheck, bro, go physical therapy. I tell you what, <laughs> I think you would be really good at it too. We look, looking forward um, in a couple weeks. You got the maroon and white uh, invite in Starkville, and then setting our uh, sights towards CUSA championship. Where you're at right now, forty six point one in the four hundred. Where do you want to be going into the conference USA championship in mid May? Um, well, for the rest of the season, I think I'm just running a different race. So right now I'm at my mark. So going into conference, I'll be at the mark I'm at now. So at the um, Mississippi State meet, I'll be running a shorter sprint. So hopefully it helps me work on turnover and prepare me for conference championship. Your goal, obviously, would be pretty sweet to be the indoor champion and the outdoor champion, right? Yes, sir. Man, that's uh, that's incredible. We uh, we commend you on what you're doing right now. You're you're uh, one of the best sprinters in the country, showing Southern Miss uh, across uh, the country. About thirty seconds left. How has John Stewart helped you to to be, become the sprinter that you are? He's helped me because he's real. He's easy to talk to. He works with me. He's flexible. He's not like one of them coaches that you can't come up to. Like with him, I could just and we can work on things and he'll take extra time to make sure I'm good. That's awesome. We uh, we appreciate your... Oh, absolutely. And we we get that vibe from him when he comes on our show. Trey, thanks for your time today. Get after it, man. We're going to be cheering you on the next few events and uh, hopefully uh, see you in in the NCAA championships also. Thanks for being on the Eagle Hour. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Trey Johnson, a sprinter for track and field, one of the best in the country right now, doing so well, indoor champion in the 400 meter and uh, helps that 4x400 meter to do well. Hey, we're going to come back after this break. Stick with us on the Eagle Hour. Kelly and I will toss around today's news and, and comment some on Southern Miss Sports continually. Stick with us on the Eagle Hour. To the, top. to the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Second segment brought to you by Campus Bookmark, located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. You can shop there 24-7, campusbookmark.net. 
Great place to go for everything. You need to cheer on the Golden Eagles. It's great talking to uh, to Trey Johnson, uh, sprinter for Southern Miss Track and Field. They're off this weekend, next weekend up in Starkville for the Maroon and White invite. And then uh, two weeks later, May 13th through 16th, the Conference USA Championship in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And then hopefully we'll have uh, several Golden Eagles going to the NCAA East Regional in Jacksonville, Florida, the last weekend of May. Luke and Laurel, Kelly and Michael in uh, in Hattiesburg, Bob out today. Kelly, I found you know a few things uh, from talking to, to, to Trey Johnson. I, one thing I found intriguing was you know I was I was expecting him to say in that that he, his personal best right now is forty six point one in the four hundred, and uh, you know, I thought you know where you want to be in a couple weeks. I thought he would you know knock you know a few hundreds off or a few tenths off and be in the forty five range. I found it intriguing that like he was pretty happy where he was right now and and i didn't you know hear any any sort of of boasting from him but i mean he's that, that's pretty impressive to be at your mark right now feeling that where you're at right now you can win and and compete pretty high up in the conference championships you know that are about three weeks away i found that really intriguing and one piece of the puzzle that people really don't talk about and he he talked about it briefly was that weather conditions particularly and obviously in the outdoor uh, you know, arenas, so to speak. I mean, if you've got a, a headwind that you're dealing with that, that you don't normally think about, but when you're trying to put together those type of speeds, I mean, even the slightest little bit of, of wind that works against you, now you'd think, well, conversely, it might, it might help you, but it might not. So, you know, things like that. There are so many things that go into to executing a personal best or setting a record, and it kind of has to be the perfect storm. And the other thing about these uh, these uh, sprinters is, man, when you look, if, if you've ever seen a sprinter like Trey Johnson, you look at these guys and you're going, holy cow, are these guys built? I mean, they're they're athletes. I mean, they're they are <laughs> athletes, buddy. He's He's six three too. Yeah, I mean, that's, he's tall. That's what I mean. You know, and and you look at and you look at him, and there's like zero body fat on these guys. I mean, you you talk about statues and guys that really look like athletes. These track guys are unbelievable. And and look going, at the, going back to going back to what you said about the weather. You know, right? Look, looking back, so his indoor title back in February the twenty first, he ran the four hundred and forty seven point six eight. So. <laughs> Last week at Auburn, he ran 46.1. He has knocked a second and a half off of his 400 time in a month. And, and again, I think it plays into some of the things you said. He said he wanted it warm. But you, know, you talk about, Coach Stewart talks about these guys hitting their stride. And, you know, uh, they, they start off and we're, we're looking, talking uh, about the jumpers. They're like seven, one and a half right now, seven, two. And he wants them, he thinks they can get to seven, five by conference, outdoor conference championships. I mean, it, you would you would think this is the equivalent of Montenegro going from like you know 180 to 340 in a month. I mean it happens in track and field too. I just he's knocked a, a second and a half off of his off of his time in, in two months. And it was interesting to learn too that his parents were involved in track and field. So much of of a lot of athleticism you know is hereditary. And uh, the fact that his that his folks were were in it gave him you know great genes to be you know also built for track and field. And the fact that he loved it. You know, it works out uh, works out really well because when when you're in any other sport, coaches will say all the time, speed is the only thing that they really can't coach or they're not 
knowledgeable enough to coach. I mean, you can't take a guy that's built like me and and have that kind of speed. You know, it, it just doesn't it just doesn't work. So a lot of that has to be God given. You know, more than any other sport, I would think. Just Absolutely. just just pure speed. But, uh, you know. Appreciate Grant Keith setting up that interview. Always great when uh, when we can have uh, athletes that are competing right now in their sports. And you know what he said more uh, about John Stewart. I think that encapsulates a lot of the success that that Stewart has had. What did he say, Kelly? He's approachable. He can be talked to. And you know, I always get that vibe when when interviewing John Stewart too. And you know, it is you know, coach for coach, sport for sport, is John Stewart, and, and I don't want to get this out there. I mean, it just seems as if he's one of the the best kept secrets right now in track and field in the country. Sometimes, if you've had a long career in at the college level, you tend to be the way you are, and you don't you don't change or mend your you know mend your ways to the athletes coming up. But but uh, I think I think more and more these days, coaches have to be a little bit more touchy-feely you know more emotional um you know because athletes that were that are coming up now were just raised in a different environment you know the screaming and the yelling and the up in your face and you know rub some dirt on it and get back in no salt pills no water <laughs> you know none of that that was that yeah. was then and this is now and i think i think john stewart part of what has made him successful is if you'll allow me to use the, the term new age coach um that, that has certainly helped i think him be able to connect with uh, today's athletes. Absolutely. Conference USA Baseball last night, just two games. Uh, Charlotte knocked off Appalachian State. Mississippi State drilled UAB 19-7. to Only uh, one game tonight, Stetson down at FIU Golden Eagles. Of, of course, off. We'll talk more about baseball with uh, Patrick McGee in the next segment, get into some uh, some projections that were just put out by D1 Baseball. But, Kelly, looking at the RPI now, really hadn't changed too much. Louisiana Tech, ninth, Southern Miss, 16th, Charlotte, 18th. Old Dominion's moved up a couple spots there at 28, UTSA at 69, FAU at 83. So Conference USA now, six teams in the top 83. FIU at 121, Western Kentucky, who will – be the opponent for the Golden Eagles this weekend. They're at 189, UAB at 196, Rice at 204, and Middle Tennessee at the bottom. Or, I'm sorry, at 218, Marshall at the bottom at, at 238. So, Kelly, you look at this, six teams at the top, beside the top 80, uh, one team around 120, and then everybody else you know, below 150. So the pretty safe to say the top of the conference extremely strong, the bottom of the conference extremely weak. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. And I don't think it matters anymore who wins the tournament. The Conference USA Tournament. I used to think that that was going to be important. But now, and it's interesting when you ask people, do you think Conference USA gets three or four? If you think they only get three in postseason, then who's the odd man out? Half the people say Old Dominion. Half the people say Charlotte. But now as you're looking at it, if it's going to be based solely on RPI, it's not only not going to matter who wins the tournament, um, but those four seem to be now shoe-ins, including Charlotte and and Old Dominion. But if I were to ask you that same question, Luke, who would be the odd man out? Would you say Charlotte or Old Dominion? The, the simple reason is, so Old Dominion 13-3, and three, Charlotte 14-2. and two. Heath talked about it yesterday. they got to play each other eight times um, this coming weekend. They actually play back-to-back weekends. So one of those teams could have up to eight losses. You would think that you know they would split possibly. So somebody's going to have four losses. 
And uh, that's going to help Southern Miss. I mean, it, the Eagles right now would be a four seed going into the tournament. I guess the bigger question to, to me, well, let me let me finish that thought. Old Dominion has the worst strength to schedule at 108. Uh, Charlotte has a, a strength to schedule at 45. Louisiana Tech, 26. Eagles, seventh yeah. <laughs> strength to schedule. And we said country. that way before um, the season even started, how strong Southern right. Miss's and schedule was. It took it took a while for that to kind of flesh itself out. Just side note, the number one team in, in the RPI right now is is Fairfield in the MAAC. They're twenty and zero, uh, and I you know you could be one in the RPI and still be a three seed. You know with with their conference. Anyway, long and short of it, here's the other question: How much stock now or effort does does the tournament mean? And and what I what I mean by that is. You know, Southern Miss rolls into the tournament as a as a three seed. I don't I don't see Scott Barry ever laying down, much less in a tournament. But the tournament almost in some ways is is kind of meaningless if unless the Golden Eagles and, and some stuff happens, the Golden Eagles probably gonna end up a two seed somewhere. You know, do do you do you pitch your, your, your guys deep into games in a conference tournament when when basically you know that no matter what you do in the tournament, you're kind of a lock as a two seed? Oh, of course. You're gonna play for the win. I mean, but but the beauty of the way that it's set up, and and that's what I was alluding to earlier, is it's a team is not going to have to unless unless you're not one of those top four, okay. But I'm saying if one of those top four wins the tournament, it's not going to matter whether they do or don't. The only thing that's going to matter is if the, one of those teams that are outside the top four happens to get hot and wins the tournament. Then maybe somebody else gets gets squeezed out. But it won't be Southern Miss in any scenario. But yeah, especially if you know that you're in, then I think you can you can go in relaxed. And um and I think that's your question is do you do you go after the win or do you look, you don't get to be a number 2 seed and play this type of schedule without wanting to compete, right? And iron sharpens iron. So even though any of the top 4 teams, La Tech Southern Miss, Charlotte, and Old Dominion could maybe kick back a little bit. There is no way they are going to. They are going to play to win the championship at uh, at Louisiana Tech. Yeah, and and I want to win. I just – I don't know if I'm going to run Hunter Stanley or Walker Powell's pitch count up in in a tournament when, yeah, you can win it, but – it's not going to help or, or hurt your regional scenes. Anyway, we'll talk more about that with Patrick McGee. Professor's up on a Wednesday. Stick with us on the Eagle Hour. Miss to the top. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill in the shadow of M.M. Roberts Stadium. It's right over the Highway 49 Bridge. It's the gathering place if you're in pre-gaming for a Southern Miss sporting event. Got several different uh, type of adult beverages on tap. Home of the 895 lunch. This Friday it'll be, uh, of course, Catfish Friday. Uh, that's a uh, to get your weekend started. A complete array of billiard tables there to get to play some pool. They've also got great music that's always on the speakers, the Southern Miss memorabilia. And tonight, big trivia night 
where Booty and the guys have uh, they reach into their bag of tricks and come out with some unbelievable trivia questions. So if you like trivia, Fourth Street Bar and Grill, where all Southern Miss fans to go to hang out. Joining us on the Super Talk Mississippi hotline is Patrick McGee, the professor from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, to talk all things Southern Miss. And as we welcome you, Patrick, it begins with a new basketball player coming into the Southern Miss fold, but not necessarily so new to South Mississippi. Uh, no, Isaiah Moore, who spent one season at uh, Pearl River Community College after starting out, I think it was at College of Charleston, 16 guy, uh, you know, 205. He's not really somebody that you would look at and say is going to be a, you know, a banger inside, but he's a guy that could be really good at the four and score a lot of points and, and grab some boards. I, you lose Tyler Stevenson to the transfer portal, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, what is Southern Miss going to do? Uh, then you add, you're able to, you know, he, it's not official yet. He's verbally committed. I haven't seen the uh, announcement from USM saying that he's officially signed or anything like that. So uh, if they get Isaiah Moore, that at least probably re- you know, replaces all the production you're losing. And then Tyler Stevenson, but you're also kind of scratching your head. Man, the team could could have been really good in the front court if you have both guys. Uh, but, you know, guys are going to move around to places where they know they're going to get the most minutes, and I think maybe that that played a role here so uh getting isaiah moore is is definitely a boost for a team that was kind of reeling after losing about four guys to the transfer portal in the last couple of weeks and you'd have to think that tay hardy the former point guard at uh, pearl river may have had uh, something to do with with sure. Zay moore coming back yeah yeah i would say so uh those guys have that relationship i'm sure uh, uh tay hardy having that familiar face there on campus and i know uh, jay ladner and company are very familiar with isaiah and a bunch of guys really on that roster and staff probably know him pretty well. So it was a, a comfortable spot for Isaiah to go and know that he's going to play uh, a whole bunch of minutes. So it's 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 a it's a big deal for Southern Miss to pick him up because things could have easily headed in a in a much worse direction in terms of you know just that it was going to be it was going to be a much harder rebuild without a player like Isaiah Moore. Well, programming note uh, tomorrow on tomorrow's program, head basketball coach Jay Ladner will be joining us to talk about uh, some of those things that that Patrick just did. And and Luke, uh, we're we're in the sport of baseball, so to speak, and it'll be interested to get uh, Patrick's view on on some of these things that we have just been uh, talking about the last uh, couple of days or so. Yeah, Patrick, just kind of want to get your thoughts on it. I, I hinted at it in, in the break. Um, Southern Miss, unless something really happens, not really much of a way for them to move up. Uh, it shows you how big that, that game four was against Louisiana Tech on Sunday. Simply because uh, of their five opponents left, uh, only two and one's a, a one game against a midweek opponent are in the top 100, so the RPI is going to stay the same or could significantly drop. Eagles seem to be a, appear to be a two-seed. Uh, D1 baseball has been projected now the two seed in in Oxford. Uh, I, I don't see Scott Berry laying down. I don't see Scott Berry going into a game that he's neutral about. But how important is the conference? You let's just open it up league wise. How important is the conference tournament to Tech, Southern Miss, Charlotte, Old Dominion um, when you kind of know who you are going into the tournament and that how you compete really won't change where you are. Yeah, I, I think it's really not, not going to matter a whole lot for any of the sport teams that you singled out. I think maybe for a Charlotte or Old Dominion, you want to go in and, and play well because they're, I, I think, uh, strength, strength of schedule wise, they may not be in as strong a position as Southern Miss is at that point of the season. So I think maybe Charlotte and Old Dominion will go in with a little bit more to prove uh, just because I think their RPI may be not quite where it is right now. I, I'd expect uh, uh, to. 
you know, one of those two teams will probably level off a little bit. So I think one of those two teams will probably go with a lot to play for. While Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss seem like they've already established their resume for the uh, postseason committee. I mean, uh, uh, those are two teams that are, have proven themselves, and, and Southern Miss, gosh, is one or two hits, one or two pitches away from winning that series overall in, in terms of like those eight games. But uh, uh, to, to split it at La Tech, uh, that hurt. If Southern Miss had won at La Tech, you're thinking, well, maybe Southern Miss has a slight edge because you get the momentum, you, you close out strong. You have the facilities, the, the 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 fan support, and everything else to have a sold out regional in Hattiesburg. It would have really worked well in USM's favor, but uh, there's no really denying at this point that Louisiana Tech has the better resume when it comes to hosting a regional, and they have a new facility itself. You know, there's some other things that go into in terms of hotel access and stuff like that. So there are more factors than just you know the baseball stadium that the NCAA committee will look at. But at this point, I would think Tech is a pretty attractive spot as a host. With with the pre-selected sites, because this comes into play too, I don't think anybody uh, with an objective mind really halfway trusts the NCAA. But you know, you, you you almost feel like with a smirk on your face, the NCAA wants these pre-selected sites to make sure they can get enough people in the stands. So the right. love shack over at, at Louisiana Tech, because you feel like the NCAA is going to impose a, a capacity regardless of what governors have have stated. And I mean, twenty five percent capacity is what five six hundred people at, at at Ruston. I mean, is, will will that be okay with the NCAA? No, I'd be interested. Uh, you know, we're talking about what you know, late May. Uh, I mean, we the NCAA may at that point be open to a fifty percent capacity, just depending on where things stand. Uh, but I'm with you. I mean, it may it may be as as little as twenty five percent capacity. And you're right. I mean, if you move it to facilities where you're going to get attendance in this large facilities and and Southern Miss has, you know, basically twice the capacity the Louisiana Tech does. You know, I, I don't know. I It'll be interesting uh, how this pans out. But, you know, for Louisiana Tech, it is it is a little on the small side. It's a really nice new facility. Uh, probably has most everything they would need out of it. But uh, it's probably going to be one of the smaller facilities that, that would host if it does end up that way. Kelly? I wanted to ask both of you guys, if you had to name a Conference USA baseball coach of the year right now who would it be now i know the obvious choice would be lane burroughs but when you look at the team that he had coming back at la tech it's it's a very senior oriented team you know you expect them to to play really well other than lane burroughs is there an obvious choice who gets conference usa coach of the year in baseball if the season were to end today I mean, I would think it would be Lane Burroughs just based on the standing of the team. I mean, both he and Scott Berry inherited pretty good situations, but Lane Burroughs obviously made the best of it, I would think. I mean, I think there's a, a good case to be made for Robert Woodard at Charlotte. I mean, you look at what they're doing yeah. right now. Burroughs is the, is the shoe-in. I get that. But, you know, Charlotte, this is his second year in the program. They're top 25. Uh, I think they're 19th in, in one poll, 18th RPI. Uh, you know, maybe they ha- they they beat Tennessee. They they did beat Tennessee. Uh, I think they yeah they got swept by East Carolina, but they've had some good wins this year. And you look at where they're at in the conference. I, I think uh, he would probably be number two if he- if he doesn't you know number two in the voting. But he's done a great job up there too, and kind of you know bring Charlotte to uh, to the level of a, of a of a league contender that maybe they haven't been in the past. Yeah, but I'm gonna ca- I'm gonna cast my vote for Scott Barry. And I know this is a Southern Miss show, 
All right, and I know that Palmer. we're, that we're par- partial to a little bit, um, but we look at how young, you know, all the freshmen and sophomores that the Southern Miss team has to play the schedule that they've played, to perform the way that they've played. I just think I get the Burroughs vote. I understand that. But that doesn't surprise me that La Tech has played that well. What has surprised me is as young as this Southern Miss team is top to bottom, that, is, that it has performed that well. And I think that has to go partially into why you cast the vote you do. Does that make sense? So I, I would vote for Scott Barry. Yeah, well, I mean, they, everybody knew they'd have one of the better pitching staffs in the nation coming in. That delivered. So I, I think, you know, it, both teams have played really well. But I'm, I'm with Luke in a way. I think it would probably be the Charlotte coach to be number two. Uh, I think that's that's a program that's kind of a, a potential to grow into something special. If you look at the facilities they have there, I mean, it's not, you know, really really top of the line, but it's really nice and a good location. And a uh, school that's won in the past, I think yeah. Charlotte's a program that's going to consistently win from here on out in conference. Yeah. Patrick, uh, about 30 seconds left. Uh, does it play into the Eagles' hands or does it hurt them kind of after, you know, getting over the hurdle of La Tech? And, and uh, what do they have to avoid just kind of feeling the rest of the season is kind of, you know, just kind of neutral downhill and they've had their right. best uh, uh, opponent now? How does that factor in against Western Kentucky in the rest of the season? Well, I think it's just avoiding the letdown. I mean, over the years of following Southern Miss baseball, you have those one or two points of the season where you're thinking, uh-oh, you know, one or two losses could turn into four or five. Uh, that's, they've never really had anything where they've had a collapse at this point in the season. But it's just really kind of playing against yourself and playing up to the standard you've already set. So I think for Southern Miss, these are games they should win uh, basically on a daily basis. I, I think they're a team that really should uh, handle Western Kentucky. you got Florida Atlantic still out there, and that's always been kind of a tough series. But it's a matter of Southern Miss kind of – Meeting the standard they've set week in and week out and playing really good baseball. So it's really Southern is playing against itself. Yeah. Patrick, we always appreciate uh, your analysis and feedback, man. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch up with you next week. Okay. Thanks, guys. 35 games down in baseball, 17 left. 16 of those are conference. We'll wrap up the Eagle Hour right after this on Super Talk Mississippi. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment on this Wednesday brought to you by D-Bat and D-1 Training. Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Great place to get instruction. Great place to get fit. DBATHattiesburg.com or go see them in person. Appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, and Laurel. Bob will be back uh, tomorrow, but uh, glad to, to have Kelly uh, with us uh, today for the for the entire show. And uh, just a couple news and notes. Softball falls last night. Again, second game in a row they've, they've fallen in extra innings. They lose to South Alabama at home. Well, of Lady course Jack they did. Score two. <laughs> Can't yeah. beat South Alabama in tiddlywinks this year. Oh. <laughs> I, think, I don't think we've defeated them in anything. No, Not that's what I'm like saying. Tennis. They beat us the other day in tennis. Right, but this ends 
in the first game of the football season, it's over. The South Al domination comes to an end. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Luke. I didn't mean it's to. Up, it's, up, it's up to you, Will Hall. Yeah. Come on, Coach Hall. Bring us back. Anyways, uh, Lady Eagles fall last night 4-2 to two as the Lady Jags of South Alabama score eight or score two in the top of the eighth. Score two in the top of the eighth. Lady Eagles fall to 20-20 and 20 overall. And uh, they're getting ready today to take on the number five ranked in the country, Alabama Crimson Tide over in Tuscaloosa at 6 p.m., 11th time in school history those two teams have met. Lady Eagles in the Conference USA Championship for golf down in Dade City, Florida. Eighth now as a team, but Mercier Corbichot is ninth overall, so she's put together a great round. Shot a 71 today, 218 on the weekend. Lady Eagles also have uh, two golfers inside the top 12. So team uh, falling a couple places, but uh, two Lady Eagle golfers are doing really well uh, for sure. So, uh, Kelly, I watched some high school baseball last night, and you were telling me about some some junior college baseball, and and we might actually call a game together tomorrow night. Of course, I'll I'll be your uh, your, your wingman, uh, but but yeah, um, some are all come, coming out to, uh, to to Soso to take on the Mustangs tomorrow night. Man, you got the number one ranked four A team, the Summerall Bobcats. I think they're twenty one and two. And Wes Jones, you know, a five A powerhouse with under the leadership of former Southern Miss baseball uh, great Trey, um, help me out. We got Sutton. You got Trey, Trey Sutton. There you go, Trey Sutton. I couldn't come up with his last name. Yeah, so that ought to be that ought to be a, a good contest between two really good teams as they hit in, hit into the playoffs now. But if you're a, if you're a Mississippi media guy. You got to be looking at that last week in May and go, how in the world are we going to handle everything we have to handle? Because that's the same time that the Conference USA baseball tournament is going on in Ruston. You're going to have the state baseball championships at the high school level going on in Jackson. So I guess you could shoot back and forth on on Interstate 20 as best you can. But man, that last weekend of uh, May heading into Memorial Day weekend, it is going to be a baseball feast. If you like high school and uh, college baseball, because again, Conference USA's tournament will be going on at the same same time that the MHSAA state baseball championships are going on, which is unusual because usually the high school state championships are staged a week prior to the conference uh, tournament. But the way that it worked this year, uh, they're both going to be at the same time. So good luck, sports guys. <laughs> you know, trying to get to and from, but there'll be a lot of good baseball to cover. That's for sure. Both of those teams that we're talking about tomorrow night, West Jones and Summerall, West Jones 20-3. and three. And Both of those teams have an 11-game winning streak. And, you know, there's a lot of college players on that team, uh, depending on who, who pitches for West Jones. Cole Talbert, he's committed at, at Pearl River. And uh, so, yeah, that, that'll, that'll be fun for sure. I was, at, uh, I was at West Jones last week, and they had a special presentation. It's pretty cool. They couldn't have a football banquet uh, during the winter because of, of COVID stuff to celebrate. So they had a community-wide and a, a ring ceremony, and they kind of relive the season. And I'll tell you what, Kelly, some of the biggest high school championship rings that I've seen, pretty cool about West Jones. People don't realize they're green and gold, but kind of what's developed over the last several years is kind of their alternate color is black. And so these rings are actually black and have uh, green and, and gold on them. 
And I, I tell you what, it's really cool. I, I was telling some of the, the, the offensive linemen, I was hanging out with them, and I said, dude, y'all should wear these like to school tomorrow. And I think they I think everybody wore their ring to school next year. But it's so cool seeing local teams win one of those, especially like West Jones for the first time and those kids getting that type of ring. Yeah, in Oak Grove uh, at the 6A level, you know, they won a, a state championship and their rings were presented this past week. That that fashion thing with the black is, is going on nationwide because Iowa State, where I went, of course, they're – Colors are cardinal and gold, and their mascot is actually a guy who dresses up as a cardinal. And two or three times this past year, the Cyclones wore football uniforms that were either gray or black, but there was no cardinal and gold in it anywhere. So I don't know if it costs more <laughs> to have color uniforms, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of a trend now that's, that's going around. So, but two great baseball programs, Landon Harper, the ace reliever for Pearl River, who committed to the Golden Eagles this past week, was instrumental in Pearl River uh, getting a big, big series sweep over Jones last night down at down at uh, Pearl River. So, Golden Eagle baseball fans got to see at least a guy that's going to be counted on in the future, Landon Harper. Remember that name, a reliever now at Pearl River, but headed to Southern Miss. Good stuff. Appreciate Trey Johnson coming on today as well as Patrick McGee making his weekly appearance on the Eagle Hour. We hope your Wednesday goes exceptionally well. Be back tomorrow, same time, same place for the Eagle Hour at 1 o'clock. And until then, as always, Southern Miss to to the the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.